Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the Findlay-Hincock County Public Library is once again looking to expand their facility. Director Sarah Clevidence gives us more details about their proposal and their vision for the future. Also this morning, in recognition of this week's 40th anniversary of the Reagan assassination attempt, a tribute to the work of the Secret Service agents who protect the leaders of the free world, from the memoir, Agent Innocent, written by one of the youngest women to ever join their ranks. Let me tell you, your heart will start racing when you hear the police officer next to you having that kind of radio traffic. And bunnies and chicks are cute, but they are not made to be holiday accessories. Why adopting one for Easter may not be a good idea. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. The 90th day of 2021, there are 275 days remaining in the year. Today is Dance Marathon Day. Boy, I don't know about you. I'm dragging a little bit this morning. I don't know if there's any day I could do a dance marathon. Today would not be the day. Dance Marathon Day. It is Manatee Appreciation Day, National Bunsen Burner Day. Every time... I hear someone say the word Bunsen burner. I think of the Muppets, you know the uh, <laughs> the, the scientist and his <laughs> and Beaker, his his assistant. <laughs> National Bunsen burner day. I don't know why. It just makes me think it's, it's Doctor Bunsen, isn't it? The the Muppet, the uh, scientist. Anyway, Doctor Bunsen, uh, <laughs> Doctor Bunsen burner day. National clams on the half shell day. National crayon day. Uh, definitely more my speed, National Crayon Day, as opposed to Dance Marathon Day. That just seems very mm, busy. I have to expend a lot of energy. I'm much more into the uh, crayons today. That would be more my speed. National Farm Workers Day. Happy day to well, the farm workers, uh, hardworking folks on the farm. Today, National Little Red Wagon Day. National Prom Day. Are folks having prom this year? I know a lot of schools... Uh, are looking at alternatives. Uh, some are planning full proms this year after having to cancel the celebrations last year. National Prom Day today. National Tater Day. And it is World Backup Day. That is a, a significant uh, observance. The day to back up all of your important files and documents and everything else that you have on your computers. So, World Backup Day today. So this is the, I have to say, yesterday when we were talking about this, when it was in the news, I kind of, in the back of my mind, thought, you know what, this may be an April Fool's joke, and it turns out it was one day after it was reported that Volkswagen planned to change their brand name in the U.S. to Volkswagen for its electric cars, change the K to a T, make it Volkswagen. Uh, the automaker admitted yesterday that the whole thing was an early April Fool's joke. A fake news release about the name change was leaked on Monday. It wasn't supposed to actually hit the website until tomorrow, April Fool's Day. But uh, somebody pulled the switch and uh, the uh, fake press release was sent out in a mass email to reporters uh, before the company... Uh, came clean on it. Volkswagen said in a statement, the renaming was designed to be an announcement in the spirit of April Fool's Day. The AP suggested the fake press release could give Volkswagen some trouble with securities regulators. 
since its stock price rose nearly 5% after it was issued. Oops! Uh, Northwestern University marketing professor Tim Calkins tells the AP that while April Fool's jokes are common in marketing, it's rare for a company to deliberately mislead reporters. And that was probably where they uh, went awry on this, uh, is when they actually sent out a press release. You just put it on the website, that's one thing. It's a ha-ha April Fool's joke, but apparently they emailed it out to reporters. The whole thing was a bit of a mistake. Uh, they didn't mean to leak it early, but because I have a feeling that if it had gone off as planned to send out the press release tomorrow on April 1, I think most reporters would have been savvy enough to look at that and, you know, maybe with a bit of a jaundiced eye and say, wait a minute, <laughs> something doesn't seem right here. But because it came out early, uh, everybody fell for it. It was reported. ABC was reporting it. Uh, it was on uh, a lot of the uh, major news websites and business websites and so on. And now they could be in a little hot tr- uh, hot water because of the uh, whole stock manipulation issue. But anyway, it was the long and short of it was it was actually an April Fool's joke. We mentioned it yesterday. And like I said, I had the kind of the sneaking suspicion in the back of my mind that it might be an April Fool's joke. But turns out uh, it was. So just let that be a lesson to you tomorrow, April Fool's Day. Don't uh, don't fall for anything. Don't fall for anything. Um, this is something that I saw the other day, and I wondered if this might be an April Fool's joke, but I don't think so. I think this one is genuine. I think it's legit. Google Maps is reportedly sprucing up its app in the green sense. Uh, Some of the changes coming to Google Maps uh, will now offer the option of the most eco-friendly route to your destination. The most eco-friendly route, the one that would give you the lowest carbon emission. And again, here I'm thinking, is this an April Fool's joke? Because it would be the same, wouldn't wouldn't it not? I mean, if you're driving the same vehicle, what does it matter what route you're taking, you would want to take the the shortest route, I would guess. Uh, or would it be the fastest route? Anyway, <clears throat> but that's what this is what they say. The more eco-friendly route uh, will be one of the uh, offerings when you uh, call up directions in Google Maps. Sometimes the most fuel-efficient way will be the fastest, so Google Maps will default to that option. But if the eco-friendly way is a bit slower you'll be able to see how much more you would be polluting in order to save time. So, how very woke of them. Um, Google Maps teamed up with the National Renewable Energy Laboratory uh, to help make the calculations with a new mapping model. The option will come to iOS and Android phones later this year in the U.S. And again, back of my mind, I was thinking... Is this an April Fool's joke? But it appears that this is legit, so. Interesting. A couple of other uh, noteworthy, buzzworthy stories to start off your Wednesday morning here. Uh, We keep learning more and more about social media that is negative. And here is the latest. Researchers at the University of Georgia have found that uh, an increasing number 
of hours spent online on social media may correlate with cyberbullying behaviors. Um, what they found in their research is that uh, being addicted to social media, spending more hours online, significantly predicted cyberbullying perpetration in adolescents, particularly among adolescent males. Uh, negative consequences. Um, the amount of time spent on social media associated with negative consequences such as daytime tiredness, getting poor grades in school, and spending more than seven hours per day online. The lead researcher of the study, Amanda Giordano, says if you think about it, adolescents are not only figuring out who they are offline, they're also trying to figure out who they want to be online. We're giving them even more to do during this development period, including deciding how they want to present themselves on social media it is a complex world that we are asking adolescents to navigate. Which, she has a point. I mean, many times adults don't know the proper, uh, the proper place of social media, the proper use of social media. Not surprising that uh, all of this would be difficult for adolescents to navigate as well. But I don't know. The more we hear about social media and its pitfalls, at what point... You have to wonder, at what point do we say the negatives outweigh the positives? I mean, there are certainly some good things about social media, but it seems like every day when I see these stories, every day I get a little bit closer to just signing off for good, you know? It's kind of interesting. And uh, you may remember hearing about this uh, last year. I vaguely remember talking about it, the, the joke about the notion of an emotional support beer. <laughs> have emotional support animals why not an emotional support beer remember middle part of last year or in the lockdown we were talking i need an emotional support beer now there is one in real life a new york-based microbrewery woodstock brewing has created a citra ipa that comes in a colorful can uh, called emotional support beer <laughs> a portion of the proceeds earned from this limited time brew will go into uh, Operation At Ease, which is a charity that pr that pairs shelter dogs with deserving veterans and first responders as emotional support dogs. Uh, to create the beer, Woodstock Brewing collaborated with Floyd Haynes, a man who made headlines in early 2020 for trying to register a pint of beer as an emotional support animal under the USA Service Dog Registration. Uh, so far, the beer is a hit. It is sold out at... Uh, they're the uh, microbrews uh, home location and local retailers throughout the Hudson Valley and eastern New York have stuck up, stocked up on limited quantities of the seasonal brew. Not clear how long supplies will last. <laughs> so now we actually do have an emotional spot. I remember that story. And now we actually do have an emotional support beer. So life is good. Life is good. We have all of these uh, sad stories, all of these disturbing stories in the news and social media and everything else and uh, all of these negative stories in the news. But the good news, we do have an emotional support beer. There you go. Some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to kick off your Wednesday morning. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. 
The WTOL 11 first alert weather. Mostly cloudy, breezy 50 today. Mostly cloudy, breezy again tonight with a low 26. Hancock Public Health has announced that the COVID-19 variant first identified in England has been confirmed in Hancock County. Toledo area health officials reported Tuesday that a variant first identified in California has now been documented in Lucas County. The CDC says these new variants are responsible for at least 10% of cases reported nationally last month. Early indications show that vaccines currently available are effective on variants, though to a lesser degree than against the original strain. Health officials suggest continuing with the use of masks, frequent hand washing, and other measures, even among those fully vaccinated. In a related story, Wyandotte County Public Health has announced that the state will hold three COVID-19 mass vaccination clinics in April. Two will be held at the Cary School, the first on Tuesday, April 6th, the second, Tuesday, April 20th. The third event will be held in Sycamore at the Event Center on the 20th. Registration for vaccinations are being accepted through the state vaccination portal, gettheshot.coronavirus.ohio.gov. Find that link on our website. The Ada skyline has changed quite a bit over the last few days. Last weekend, a wind turbine on the Ohio Northern University campus was brought down in an effort to put out a fire in the structure. This week, a turbine on the Ada High School grounds was brought down. That was a planned demolition as the device has been out of service since at least 2016. Two turbines were erected at the high school with grant funds. The funding dried up and the turbines ultimately cost more to operate than buying electricity from the traditional grid. The Ohio Supreme Court is weighing the constitutionality of a woman's arrest for drunken driving following a citizen's tip to a state trooper that the driver was impaired. ONN's Daniel Barnett has more. At issue is a 2017 arrest in Hamilton County of a woman whose blood alcohol level tested at more than twice the legal limit. Records show a trooper was finishing a crash investigation at a gas station when someone emerged from the store and shouted, quote, Hey, you need to stop that vehicle. That lady is drunk, end quote. The woman's attorney argues the tip from the unidentified man was anonymous and didn't give the trooper cause to investigate. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. I'm John Marshall for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So as we were mentioning a little bit earlier, the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library uh, just a few days ago uh, announced that they are once again looking to expand their facility. Director Sarah Clevidence is with us. Some more details about that and their vision for the future, as it were. Sarah, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is not a, a new idea. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the prospect of expanding uh, or possibly... I think this started... Uh, several directors ago, actually, with the idea of uh, maybe relocating the library, mm-hmm. that uh, idea was scrapped. And then uh, you, you've talked a number of times uh, over the past years uh, over about expansion of the uh, current facility. Talk a little bit about the reason uh, that an expansion is needed. Our youth services department is just not big enough to serve our community. Uh, Our children's programs have grown dramatically over the last several years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's not enough space in our program rooms to accommodate them. There's not enough space for kids to just explore, for families to just spend time in the library. Um, You know, pre-COVID, the department was often so crowded, you felt like you were waiting through children to get through the department, which is exciting to see them all there. It's a good problem to have. Uh, But I know you you, uh, also talked about uh, the the fact that some of the materials uh, specifically for the children are actually up out of their reach. So kind of give an idea. Yeah, if you've been in our children's department, um, you know, as a parent, you can see that top shelf pretty clearly. But you'll know your little kiddos. 
they can't. It's mm. not eye, eye level for them. And it's parents and, and library staff don't have clear sight lines to the children who are enjoying our spaces, which can be a challenge as well. There is also the concern uh, over the availability of meeting space. There uh, is. And, and the availability and the size of the meeting space. This would uh, expand that uh, capacity? It would. Our large meeting room right now will hold 60 individuals. Uh, the proposed plans have a meeting room that would hold 156, and it could actually be divided into two rooms. Uh, 2019, we had over a thousand programs and events in our meeting rooms, and about 30% of those were not library events. They were just, you know, other community groups that wanted to use our space. Mm -hmm. At the start of 2020, before we closed for COVID, we mm -hmm. were keeping track of how often we had to turn people away. It averaged about twice a week. So that's quite a, a few things that you could potentially host and potentially bring people into the library. Uh, obviously, uh, people looking for space to hold events that you're just not able to accommodate. Now, again, you preface all of this by saying these uh, numbers and these issues are all, quote-unquote, pre-COVID. So talk a little bit about your vision for uh, the the future do you see all of that demand returning after all of this is over because that's really the great unknown here sure you know even through covid we've continued to get calls uh, do you have a meeting room space available mm -hmm. uh, especially one where i could spread out my my group of 10 and we haven't had any meeting room space available because we've had to quarantine our materials but right. that's not going to last forever uh, so we'll have room for those groups to come back and we know that they'll continue to come back and, and seek that space and need more space than is available. With programming, you know, that drives a lot of our, our folks that come to the library. They come mm -hmm. for programs, and especially they come for youth programs. You know, over 10,000 people a year in the last five years had come to the library for youth programs. That's quite a number. It's quite a number. Yeah. And, and over COVID, you know, we've been offering pre-recorded programs on our website. 20,000 people in 2020 viewed those so the audience is still there for so library events one could actually argue that there may be a greater demand when all of this is over given that the numbers of people attending the quote-unquote virtual programs have gone up and maybe uh, have discovered programs that they would not have participated in otherwise they may want to continue to participate in so absolutely uh, you could certainly make that argument uh, as well now the uh, proposal the current proposal is the same proposal the last time uh, this was brought up, which was a couple, three years ago, uh, and that would involve uh, expanding uh, the uh, current facility to the south, right? Correct, yes. There are two county-owned county owned parking lots uh, immediately south of the library, so it would use that space. And I know parking is always... I was going to say, you know, that's probably going to yes. be the biggest pushback, uh, because obviously parking is uh, at a premium in the downtown area as well, particularly in that location where uh, it's used for event parking a lot of times outside of regular hours. It is, yeah. And, and during uh, normal business hours, it's often used for, for county courthouse business. Mm -hmm. This uh, plan actually retains street-level parking uh, underneath the addition of the library. So it keeps 37 of the 55 spaces that are still there. So the vast majority would be uh, maintained. And what about the the funding? And that obviously it all comes down to funding. If you could just wave a magic wand and have it done, uh, that would be no big deal. But how do you break down the uh, funding for how this would be paid for? Yeah, so we're so early in the process because we don't have the land yet. Um, it, we're, we've started with our vision of what we could do and what's possible. And this is obviously an expensive project, but there are several options available 
to libraries. So it could be a combination of private fundraising, of a bond issue. Um, libraries are also permitted to borrow against their p future public library fund income. So, so there's a combination of things that we could do there. Now, this, again, like we said, not the first time this has come up. These proposals ha have been made in the past in one way, shape, or form and have never come to, come to fruition. Why do you feel the time is right now? Do you, do you, are the uh, powers that be, uh, in this case, what the county commissioners mm -hmm. uh, in particular, they more receptive to the idea now? Is this, do you think that you can actually get this done? I thought we had a very positive conversation with the county commissioners. And I think some of their projects in the downtown area have moved along uh, so that they have a better picture of what they're doing with some of their spaces and, and hopefully in the next few months might even be ready to to continue this discussion. Well, and that was going to be my next question. What is the uh, timeline that you envision? Again, understanding that this is all yeah. still very early uh, in the process, but as sort of a rough timeline, what do you envision? Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, we haven't even attempted to put together a timeline because it's so contingent on the acquisition of the land. Um, I can say personally, I would love to know what we're doing, uh, if this is going to be a possibility before the end of the year. Because I think we're in a position yes. that we have to decide yay or nay. Are mm -hmm. we going to be able to do this? Are we not? Because there are, there are some things in our library that maybe we haven't paid as close attention to as we should have, hoping that a renovation and expansion was going to be on, on the table. So that's what I was getting at. You, you hope to have a decision on whether you've got the thumbs up, the green light on this or not by the end of the year. I would love so. that, but certainly we're, we're at the commissioner's uh, will here. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, we will continue to, uh, to watch this. And in the meantime, uh, you have information, including uh, renderings of what this expansion would look like. Uh, is that on the uh, website? Or I'm, I'm assuming you have this uh, available for folks? You know, I, I have it. We haven't put it on our website yet, but we can certainly do that and make that available. And in the meantime, uh, if folks have questions, uh, reach out to the uh, library. Absolutely. Uh, about this. Uh, now, we mentioned uh, programming. Obviously, programming uh, is driving a lot of that, and we normally have you in uh, the end of the month to talk about uh, upcoming program programming. Hard to believe that we're uh, heading into April already, but you have a number of things uh, that are coming up. We do. Uh, virtually. Most of them are, are virtual yes. here. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's coming up in the month of April. Sure. So, uh, we've been doing a few Storytime Lives on Zoom. Uh, so, you know, one of the things our Storytime leaders really miss is the opportunity to interact with kids. If you're just pre-recording it, you're talking into a camera, and that's not as much fun. Uh, so Storytime Live with Miss Nicole will be on Wednesday, April 7th at 10.30. You can, you'll need to register in advance for that so you get the link to the Zoom program. We have a poetry celebration coming up. This is um, a challenge for kids to write a Where I'm From poem. Um, and all those submissions will be collected into a book that will be made available at the library. That kind of uh, ties in a bit to the uh, Community Read uh, it program, talking about uh, where I'm from. Absolutely. Yeah. We're trying mm -hmm. to bridge from Community Read into uh, April is Poetry Month. So. Okay, terrific stuff. Uh, so those submissions are due by Saturday, April 10th. And spring break is, uh, for my daughter, it's Friday. So yeah, we're very so excited about right that. Right here, yeah. Uh, so escape rooms are a lot of fun. It's a, a popular program we've done on holiday breaks before. We have a kit, so you can do an escape room at home. Cool. And this kit has everything you need for a, a fun challenge over your spring break. <laughs> 
I, I'm thinking maybe the uh, maybe parents might want to uh, lock their kids away. This is a good way. <laughs> Absolutely. You can come out of your room when you've solved this. <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, so um, uh, maybe there's a, an idea. How do uh, folks sign up for uh, all of those? All of those are on our website, finleylibrary.org. Okay. You also have, real quickly, a uh, uh, an adult uh, program on uh, spices. Yeah, we're starting a new okay. uh, spice club. So you'll be able to pick up a kit every month. It'll have... A, the the amount of spices you'd need to make a recipe. It'll have that recipe, some information cool. on the the region it's from, um, and some cooking literacy tips. You okay. know things like you need to level that flour or pack down the brown sugar. Okay. Uh, more information on all of those programs at the uh, website, right? Absolutely. We've got it linked up at our webpage, GoodMornings.net. Director Sarah Clevidence, thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank appreciate. You. it. Well, you know, we mentioned yesterday that this week marks the 40th anniversary of the assassination attempt on President Reagan. Of course, it wouldn't be until many years later that the American public would learn just how touch-and-go it was for a while on that day in March of 1981. Hard to imagine how different world history might have been were it not for the men and women of the Secret Service. Melanie Lentz was one of those Secret Service agents at one time, one of the youngest in the agency's history, in fact, and her memoir is titled Agent Innocent, How the Secret Service Changed My Life. And uh, Melanie, actually, I need to uh, kind of clarify, you were not uh, one of the agents uh, who was uh, on the scene at the, the Reagan uh, assassination attempt. As a matter of fact, it says here, you became a Secret Service agent uh, in 2007 at the age of 22. So if my math is correct, you weren't even around uh, when Reagan was shot, but I'm assuming that this is something that is extensively studied in agent training. Yes, that's right. I was actually assigned to former First Lady Nancy Reagan when she passed away. So I was uh, associated with the Reagan detail, but yeah. much later with Mrs. Reagan. Uh, um, but yes, in training, we studied, uh, obviously, you know, assassination attempts or even assassinations are things that agents, you know, live and learn and adjust. And I actually have a uh, story about meeting Tim McCarthy, who was the special agent that was shot um, during the Reagan assassination. Really? Attempt. Um, I did. And, you know, it was one of those, you know, as a Secret Service agent, you know that your job is to protect the president, vice president, their families. And you go in knowing that's what's expected of you. You train for months and months. But you hope you never actually have to, you know, put yourself in harm's way and you you learn the agents that have. And I had never met any of these agents. We studied them in training, but it was at Nancy Reagan's funeral. Hmm. Um, we yeah, we a bunch of the agents assigned to work that event met at a Starbucks to carpool up to the Reagan library in Simi Valley. Hmm. And there was this man and woman there meeting with the boss and the boss said, uh, that, you know, hey guys, you know, let's meet up here while carpool. And this man comes up to me and he says, Hey, I'm Tim. Nice to meet you. And I said, Hey, I'm Melanie, blah, blah, blah. Well, then the boss standing next to him said, This is Tim McCarthy. And then, you know, you look up, kind of looked a, up at him and was like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Kind you of know, a legend. You, you kind of a legend yes. in the, in the business, as it were. So what made you decide to go into this line of work? Again, as you were mentioning, it's, it's always in the back of your mind that you may have to take a bullet for the president, as they say, or whoever it is that you're protecting. But that's not really something you, you think is ever going to happen, I would imagine, when you decide to apply for the job. What made you decide to go into this line of work? 
Right. Well, I did not grow up as a little girl saying I was going to become a Secret Service agent. In fact, you know, at 22 years old, I didn't think I was qualified. You know, you look at the movies and stuff and you say, oh, this would be a really cool job. You know, aviators, the earpiece and all that good stuff. But it was like a team worth playing for. But I didn't know that I could, you know, make the varsity kind of thing. Yeah. But I applied. I met the minimum requirements. I was 21 and had a college degree. I started college a little bit early. So I was a young college graduate. So I applied thinking I would never hear from them, but I had this attitude at 20, you know, 21, 22 years old as I'm going through this hiring process. And I said, you know, gosh, darn it. I am not going to give them a reason not to hire me. I am trainable. I don't have experience. No, but you can show me what I need to know. And I am, I am a very stubborn young lady, but especially back then. And I was not going to quit. So, <laughs> well, so it was one of those things. I thought they would tell me to go get law enforcement or military experience, but right, I'm, sure. I'm forever grateful that they gave me a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I, what is, it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about how all, all of the agents got together at a Starbucks to carpool up uh, for uh, Nancy Reagan's funeral. What is a typical day like for a secret service agent uh, in particular? of the president or the first lady or some other high-ranking official? Well, it is a chaotic one, and you'll probably miss a few holidays and anniversaries and such like I did. But a typical day, you'll probably rotate through shifts. And for me, on Nancy Reagan's detail in her 90s, it was a little more low-key than it would be for the president or the vice president's detail. But typically, you'll go into some briefings, you'll have a shift change, you'll get briefed by the shift that you're relieving, and you kind of go over what the events of the day. If you're a midnight shift, it's probably a little little more boring. But day shift, you'll have meetings. You'll have, you know, you might have to go travel in the motorcades. You'll have to coordinate that. It's a lot of moving around. And then you do a lot of standing in one place waiting around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, did you ever have uh, any close calls? I guess I, I'm wondering uh, if you had any of those moments that were in real life more like what we think of Secret Service agents doing all the time as we see in the movies and such. You know, I think people don't realize the volume of threats that do actually come in. And so there's always there's always something you're investigating in the background. Uh, a lot of it is tough internet talkers, as you can imagine, on social media. But right. there was one one instance when I was an agent. I was assigned to a uh, former president now, but current President Obama's visit to Los Angeles. He was going to an event in Santa Monica, uh, California, which was on the same day at the same time, coincidentally, not that we could plan for this, as the Santa Monica college shooting. Hmm. And that was just a couple miles from us. And let me tell you, you or your heart will start racing when you're standing outside this home where uh, Obama's having his meeting and you hear the police officer next to you having that kind of radio traffic. Yeah, that will get your heart pumping a little. That will get your heart pumping real quick. And I was the intelligence agent for that visit. So that meant I was helping you know, run out any potential threats or any issues like a demonstration popped up, just kind of monitoring. Mm-hmm. And the thing that what, what, in a crisis situation, so much of the info info is so fluid. You know, there's intel coming in. But at the end of the day, it's not all accurate, but it was the best you had at the time. And I learned for the first time kind of in my life how chaotic that can be. Luckily, we were able to kind of adjust our route to get out of the perimeters they were setting around the college. We weren't right on campus, but we were just a couple miles from it. And I remember being a little bit nervous, you know, just, you know, your heart's pumping like this is not a direction of interest toward my protectee per se, 
but we've got a, a gunman out here yeah. just a couple miles from us and and they're searching I'm, for it, this person you know it was so fluid yeah yeah so a lot a of unknowns <laughs> yeah a lot of unknowns yeah. as it's unfolding uh, again, we mentioned the uh, anniversary of the Reagan assassination attempt, which you are too young to remember. But uh, as you said, you do have that connection being attached to Nancy Reagan's detail in the latter part of her life. In fact, it says here that it was something that she taught you that ultimately led you to leave the Secret Service. What was that? That's right. Yeah. When Nancy Reagan passed away, she was very active up into her 90s. And she, she kind of went downhill quickly, you know, so, and so when she passed away, my personal life had gone was upside down as many agents lives do. You're not home. I was going through a divorce, you know, recently divorced, very depressed, very down on life, you know, when she passed away and I didn't really know Mrs. Reagan very well, you know, as her protector, we didn't sit down and have coffee. You know, I was assigned to her for details. So we weren't, you know, buddies. So I didn't know a lot about her in terms of chit chat and such, but I stood at her funeral learning all these things about her and her legacy. And it was kind of the legacy part. You know, everybody leaves a legacy and it might sound morbid to talk about like, how will people remember you? But the things they were saying about her was how fiercely she loved her husband and so on. And I stood in the back of that room and it was kind of like a gut punch to me. It was, I don't like who I've become. Mm. And I have become this person I never wanted to be. I had such great ambitions and such lofty goals that as, as a 22 year old and what, ha- you know, where did I go wrong? What happened? I'm a mess. And shortly after Mrs. Reagan's passing, I got transfer orders to move to Washington, D.C. to continue my protection time, which is kind of the natural progression of the career. You go to D.C. at some point. And I, I loved my job so much. I just loved protection. I loved every bit of it. And I, I ended up having to do a lot of soul searching in those couple months before I had to move to DC. And, you know, sometimes there's these times in life where you kind of just know the right answer. And I think I knew it at the funeral that yeah. I need to make some changes. Hmm. And so I say, you know, she, her death was kind of the catalyst that brought me back to life or at least starting over. And so, yeah, I'm forever grateful for that. <laughs> and, and that really is an interesting part of the book as well. And it's, what's fascinating to me is because not only is it, Uh, an insider's account of what the job is really like, but also shows the human side of these people. Because I'm I'm 100% sure that you're not the only uh, agent who has had those thoughts because of the sacrifices uh, that you have to make as part of that job. And this kind of shows the human side of those people that we see in the dark suits with the serious expressions and the aviators, as you were saying. And it's sometimes hard to remember that they are people too, just like the rest of us. Exactly. Yeah. You see us with the the suits and we're put together and we've got that work switch on. But at the end of the shift, you go home and you're a real person, too, with real problems and often absentee when it comes to dealing with them. And so, yeah, there's there's a very human side to being a Secret Service agent uh, that that a lot of people don't realize, I think. Agent Innocent is the name of the book. Melanie Lentz, the author, with us this morning. And Melanie, do you have a website we can put out there for folks to uh, check out the book and learn more about it? Absolutely. It's Melanie Lentz, my first and last name, dot com. So MelanieLentz.com. And the book is available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, as well as audiobooks. So yeah, check it out and uh, hit me up. I love hearing from people. But yeah, that's where you can reach me. We will link up to it on our webpage as well. Melanie, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Best of luck with the book. Thank you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. 
Today's update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. And here is how you know when the individual uh, confronting you claiming to be a police officer is not an actual police officer. You know because real police officers don't carry invisible badges. Altoona, Pennsylvania, woman's sitting on her front porch. This happened on Sunday. Woman's sitting on her front porch, minding her own business, when suddenly, 29-year-old Caitlin Light walks up to her, holds up her bare hand, as if she were flashing a badge, and declared that she was a police officer. She then proceeds to tell the woman there were about 18 children she had to get out of the basement of this woman's neighbor's house. And while the woman watched, Ms. Light then tried to uh, get into the basement windows of the adjacent home. When she failed to do that, she walked up on the front porch of that home. The uh, two residents inside told she barged in and yelled, everyone get out, and then declared herself to be a cop. When the residents asked to see proof that she was an officer, she once again held up her empty hand and said it was her invisible badge. (laughs) the uh, residents didn't buy it they uh, forced her out of the home and uh, that's when uh, police were called she uh, headed down the alley in between the two homes but real police showed up and uh, other witnesses uh, detained ms light until she could be uh, confronted she has been charged with impersonating a police officer and Possession of drug paraphernalia. How did I not know that that was, that that was coming? <laughs> Possession of a controlled substance. Thought there might be a controlled substance involved in that one. <laughs> it's my invisible badge. Those must be new. <laughs> Pompano Beach, Florida. A woman who allegedly drove her car onto a playground striking a grandmother and her three-year-old grandson had a unique defense for her action. She explained that they were not the intended targets. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Everything's okay. They were not the intended targets. Uh, Fedeline St. Felix claims that she went to the park to settle an argument with another woman and got a bit emotional. She said, I was attempting to run her over, but then I see someone pull her out of the way. Well, that's when the plan just went to smithereens. (laughs) I was attempting to run over this person. Cut me a break. Uh, The uh, grandmother, Chandra McLeod, uh, says uh, Ms. St. Felix came barreling toward her and her grandson, knocking down a gate uh, around the playground in the process. And driving into the park where the kids were playing, uh, she says, I was just running to my grandbaby. Had I not picked him up, she would have flattened him. Uh, As I'm picking up my grandchild, she hit us both. We went flying over the car, hitting the ground. Fortunately, everyone is fine. Ms. McLeod uh, got some stitches and her grandson had a a minor leg injury, but they're going to be fine. Ms. St. Felix insists that she lost control of the car and didn't mean to hit them. I was trying to hit someone else. (laughs) I'm not sure that that's 
any better of a defense, but that's what she said. Just trying to hit someone else. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't know if, I mean, that was from Pompano Beach, Florida. I don't know if there is a greater propensity of people to do dumb things in Florida or just they get reported more often, but either way. Where would we be in the broken news without the state of Florida? Looks like uh, someone donated more money than they meant to when they dropped off some clothes at an Oklahoma Goodwill location. Uh, Andrea Lessing found $42,000 in cash wrapped in between two sweaters in the donation bin. At first, she thought maybe it was you know fake cash, just play money. But uh, the closer she looked... Uh, the more she realized that it was real, so she immediately reported it, got the money back to the original owner, who was so grateful, they gave a $1,000 donation to the Goodwill store. Ms. Lessing said she was motivated to do the right thing and return the money in order to be a role model for her daughter. So, very nice. Man, would you like to... Where did I put that $42,000? <laughs> Maybe you don't want to have $42,000 just laying around in cash. I don't know. But if it was rightfully hers, it was legitimate. It wasn't uh, ill-gotten gain or anything. Just... Mm. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, the next time you go out to eat in uh, at the Cactus Club in Detroit, Michigan, better make sure that you are minding not only the dress code, but the hygiene as well. Uh, this restaurant is making it known that the dress code includes odors. Uh, requirements for proper attire ins- include certain limitations on aromas, specifically those of the weed kind. The Cactus Club recently reiterated its dress code on Facebook, saying in no uncertain terms that the smell of marijuana is not welcome inside the business. They say, quote, seriously, people, hoodies and jerseys are not business attire. Neither are ball caps and sneakers. And most importantly, if you smell like marijuana, if you smell like weed, don't even think of stepping inside the Cactus Club. So. Well, that ruins my plans for the weekend. I don't know about you. But there you go. That is. <laughs> it's sad that we have to uh, state that, that we actually have to reiterate that uh, in no uncertain terms. There you go. That is today's broken news report brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Your home for Cleveland Indians baseball is WFIN. Swing and a drive toward deep left field. Back goes Dozier. It's over his head, and it is gone. And the Indians hit their fourth home run of the night. Jose Ramirez hits his eighth. The Indians open the season Thursday afternoon at Detroit. Pre-game at 1235. Indians baseball on 1330. WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. After a year and then some of dealing with the coronavirus pandemic, people are ready to break out and party. A new study by Evite, uh, conducted by one poll, finds that 42% of Americans plan to throw the biggest party of their lives once officials declare the pandemic is over. The biggest party of their lives. And if they are not 
throwing the party, they are planning to go to a party or several. One third of those in the survey say uh, they plan to say yes to every invitation they get for the next year. Weddings, baby showers, bachelor, bachelorette parties, all of it. Even ones that maybe they have turned down in the past. (laughs) In addition to that, just uh, over one quarter, one in four, about 26%, plan on redoing their 2020 birthday since they weren't able to celebrate that. So we can have those those celebrations uh, a, a do-over, if you will. But that doesn't necessarily mean people aren't a little anxious about socializing again. Of those surveyed, 34% feel they have become more socially awkward because they've been isolated over the past year, and 38% worry about not being able to make small talk when it's safe to get together with others again. I don't know. I don't think we have to worry too much about that. I think we're going to have plenty to talk about when we're able to gather again. But I love that. 42% of Americans, they're going to have the biggest party of their lives when all of this is over. Amen to that. So Easter is right around the corner and, uh, you know, the bunnies and chicks and all of that for Easter are cute, but they are not made to be holiday accessories. Really, adopting one for Easter may not be the best idea. Holly and Natalie are here from the uh, Hancock County Humane Society, and they've actually uh, brought a uh, guest in. We have a uh, a special, uh, a special one, not a a bunny or a chick. Uh, This is dressed as a dog. Yeah, (laughs) she kind of looks like it. She's got this white coat going on and all of that. Uh, Who is this that we have brought in here? This is Macy. Macy. Macy's a one-year-old mixed breed. She's like, hey. Yeah, she's a (laughs) You can hear you can hear Macy on the uh, on the studio desk here. She's. uh, She's ready to go. Oh my gosh. She, she is a bundle of energy. Yes, she is. She how really long is. is. How long has she been uh, at the Humane Society? She's been at the Humane Society for about eight weeks. Oh so, my goodness. So not too we, long. We've got probably not too long by Humane Society standards, right. but it's yeah. a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and she's definitely ready to be with a family <laughs> she where she is. can be she's, out and run. Yes, and, you that's know. very true. She's desperately trying to get to you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she heard you talking about a golden, she and she's, she's like, a, yeah. I might like a golden. Yeah, she is uh, definitely smelling oh my, my dogs gosh, uh, on, on my shoes and my pants <laughs> and everything else. No, she is adorable. Uh, and she is available now. Yes, uh, she her. is. Yes. That's awesome. Um, we mentioned Easter coming up. Uh, I know this is a big time of year, and I have to say that uh, when my kids were younger, we did this, uh, adopting a, a bunny yeah. for, uh, for Easter. And uh, it, bunnies make great pets, but... They are a lot more work than maybe what you uh, expect. Yes, that is 100% true. They are a lot of work. So if you don't have, uh, I, I guess if you don't really plan to spend 8 to 10 years caring for this right. rabbit, yeah. then I would highly against advise against it. it. It's sort of the same thing, and we talk about it during the holiday season, uh, you know, that uh, quintessential idea of... Uh, you know, mom and dad giving a puppy to the kids when they come bounding down the, the stairs <laughs> yes. with the puppy under the Christmas tree. Not a not a great idea to do. And and we talk about how uh, that's probably not the best time to introduce uh, a new pet to the family. 
this is kind of the same thing. People kind of get caught up in the celebration yes, of the holidays, that's very true. and it's very true. You know, um, you could get them a stuffed bunny. Sure. And if you really do want to make a rabbit part of the commitment, you could still give a stuffed bunny and like oh, we're gonna go shop around for yeah at this humane society or this humane society for potential small animals. Because you actually do have an influx. I'm told at, at shelters uh, nationwide, uh, you see an influx of bunnies that are surrendered yes, uh, that in the weeks correct. and months uh, yep. following Easter. That so. is very, very true. And some of them aren't socialized very well, which makes it a little bit harder to adopt them out. But we do eventually find them homes. So they don't get pet as much as they should. They don't get handled as much as they should. That's the thing. And again, when we uh, adopted a, a bunny, uh, that was one of the things that we weren't aware of uh, at the time is just yeah. how much socialization they that, do need that socialization. they need. These are yes. social creatures. They really are. And they cannot just stay in their little cage. They mm-hmm. need out. They need exercise. They, your house needs bunny proof <laughs> because they will chew on things. They will get into things that they shouldn't. Right. And and they're quick. They're very, <laughs> that was very quick. that was another thing you find out very quickly when you have a bunny is that is that they're they quick. quick. Yeah. Um, they're they're really loving, friendly uh, animals. They do make great pets pets, but you you have to know what you're doing. You have to be prepared for uh, all of this. Yes, and I do want to say too that even though there is the influx at the humane societies um, for bunnies around this time of year, that that is still though the correct. Um, route to take is if you can't decide right. that you can't take care of it to take them to the Humane Society because a lot of people that's, think that they can let them free. Yeah, that's the other and, thing. Yeah, they're totally different than a wild uh, a wild rabbit and they mm-hmm. will not survive out in the wild. Yeah, so uh, that's another uh, problem that you run into. Yeah. Uh, and, and as much as bunnies become an issue of concern during Easter, uh, chicks are probably even more so. Yes, yes. I think because a lot of people get caught up in it being so cute, but rarely are anyone, unless you have a farm or have, are doing some type of like urban homesteading set up to have a chicken, you know? Yeah. I know that uh, in Friends it seemed fun. I think they had, or did they have a duck? I think they They had had a duck, but a a chicken and a duck. But uh, but yeah, that's, it's still another animal, a lot of work. And yeah, yeah, and what are you going to do? You got to. So it's, instead of getting caught up in the moment and the excitement, you got to have uh, play the tape out and see how it's going to exactly. End, so, so uh, do you have uh, bunnies uh, uh, available for adoption? Is that one yes, of the things? We do. Yes, we, have, we currently have one rabbit available for adoption. Um, we had we um, sometimes we have more, sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. But right now, we currently only have one, and it could change again after Easter. We could right. get more, but yeah. right now we have one floppy. We have one rabbit named Floppy. So for those, <laughs> there's Macy again. Uh, for for those who are uh, considering uh, a bunny, um, again, probably best after uh, Easter. I like the idea. Get a stuffed uh, stuffed bunny to yes. put in the Easter basket, yep. and then you tell the kids we're going to go out and get a bunny. Yes. Uh, like like with dogs and cats, adopt, don't shop. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And that would be that would be ideal. And if someone is interested in adopting the rabbit we have, Floppy, they just have to visit our website at www.hancockhumanesociety.com and fill out the application. Uh, simple as that. And obviously, again, uh, Macy is uh, up for adoption. How many uh, animals do you have uh, um, at the shelter right now? Right now, I th- we probably have about, I'd say, between 80 and 100 mm, animals. Goodness. Um, so. We do... 
now we're starting to get kittens in, so a lot of those numbers are kittens. It's getting to be that cat yes. season. Yes, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're too young. We're they're too young to be spayed or neutered yet. They still have to be with their mom. So that's right now where a lot of our numbers are coming from. But it will continue to grow. Yeah. So and and honestly, this is a this is a good time. We talk about the holidays not being the best time to uh, introduce a pet. Maybe this time is uh, actually a little bit of, uh, a better time. We've got the summertime coming up. You mm-hmm. have yeah. opportunities to uh, bond with the uh, the new family pet and, and all of that? Yes, you do. It really depends on the person, the individual. If you have the time, if you have time up front to kind of bond with the pet, introduce the pet to your home, then it would be, and that's a good time. Yeah. And, good. and as we said, with, whether we're talking the bunnies, the chicks, the, the Easter animals, or just your regular cat and dog, knowing what you are getting into yeah. Uh, yeah. is, uh, is really key. important because not all, even dogs and cats, not all are made the same. Some no. need more interaction. Some need, need more exercise, that yes. kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh, different <laughs> things uh, that, that play into that. And you can help people uh, decide. With yes, respect to that, mm-hmm. so because yep. you're yep. around these uh, animals, you know which ones are good for families with kids, or yes. better for families without kids. Yeah. You know, all of these, or things. high energy yes. or low energy. Like we would yeah. not recommend Macy to a family that just is wants to stay home and <laughs> you, watch TV. Yeah, this is this would she needs to go to an active uh, yes. family to yes. be sure. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> plenty of room to like, run yes, I do. <laughs> because she is. Uh, like, hey. She will bring enthusiasm to the family, no question. Yes. Um, mention again the uh, the process uh, right now, of course, uh, being that you're uh, limited access to the uh, shelter itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all starts online? Yes. It all starts online. They can go to the website, and then they can see all the animals that are available there, and there's an application there that they can fill out, okay. and then they'll set up an appointment to come in and meet with those animals. So. Okay, very good. Uh, we've got the link up at our webpage. Uh, just again, a uh, word about uh, Easter animals, the bunnies, the chicks, and, and all of that. Think twice about uh, adopting those for Easter. may not be a good idea. Holly and Natalie with us from the uh, Humane Society of Hancock County thank and Macy. Yes. Thanks very much for coming by. We appreciate it. Hey, I want to thank all of our guests for uh, joining us on the program today. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics we talk about each day on the program at our webpage, goodmornings.net. You're always on 24-7 on the World Wide Web. You can also connect with us on social media. Shoot us an email if there's something you want to share directly. Sign up for our daily email newsletter. Our little corner of the World Wide Web is where it all happens at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, Major League Baseball is back. Opening day, will the fans return when stadiums reopen? Get an insider's preview of the teams to watch this season, along with some expert fantasy baseball strategy advice. And much more until tomorrow morning. That is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out and making a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.